Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert, helping people to think, speak, and act positively through the many and varied challenges of life. Find out more about me in this interview at my website, which is Tom, the number two, and tall, T-A-L-L dot com. Uh, my co-host today is my colleague at TechBlocks, Peter Gorl, who introduced me to our guest today. So, Peter, introduce yourself. Tell us a little about, about TechBlocks before we get on to introducing Mark Walden. Thanks again, uh, Tom. Great to be uh, in the saddle here with you. Uh, always, uh, always a good, uh, always a good time on uh, on the radio interviews with you. Uh, yes, my name is uh, Peter Gorl. Um, I'm vice president of business development and uh, client relations here at uh, TechBlocks. At TechBlocks, we're a hybrid consulting firm and that uh, deals in the area of uh, digital transformation. We utilize a convergence of uh, strategy, creativity, and technology, and our mission is to help small, medium, and enterprise companies in their efforts to optimize their business in the digital world. One of our sweet spots is around enterprise content management and developing portals, uh, online portals of activity to help uh, clients talk to their clients, share information with their clients and their buyers and uh, and any other people they have in their ecosystem to help build out their business. It's rather unique, and I hope to talk to um, uh, Mark even a little bit further about that as he grows his business. Thanks, uh, and good morning to everybody. Well, our guest today is Mark Walden, a friend of uh, Peter's. From November 2005 until March 2014, Mark Walden had the great fortune to work for two of the best companies in Canada, and being a Canadian myself, I can uh, attest to that, Royal Bank of Canada, also known as RBC, and Bank of Montreal, also known as BMO. Uh, During this time, he met a lot of great people, many who he is now blessed to call friends, In 2007, he co-founded the Treble Victor Group, uh, also known as 3V, a vibrant business network of ex-service military leaders. He had the honor and privilege to serve as president and chair of 3V for the first six years of its life and work with a talented group of volunteer members slash leaders to grow the organization nationally. And since March of 2014, he has done contract work through his own personal company, assisting a small Toronto-based firm with business development. He is now head down with his other co-founders, building and growing Canada 2100, as well as working with his co-founders and a talented team of individuals to grow a company called Unwalleted, which has been growing its international membership base steadily since it was launched in July 2013. Welcome to the show today, Mark. Hey, good morning, Tom and Peter. Well, I heard a lot about you from uh, Peter. He uh, uh, raves about you, talks about how brilliant you are, also always mentions how tall you are. And since I'm five foot one, I'm pissed off when he talks about things like that. (laughs) Why couldn't I have had some of that? (laughs) I'm six foot six. I could probably give you a few inches. Yeah, 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 definitely. All right, well, uh, Peter, I'll let you start off because uh, you know Mark so well and uh, you're, uh, I think, the president of his fan club. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, actually, uh, Mark and I, you'll probably remember back, might have been 2009, 2010, I was, uh, I was working at Capgemini, and uh, I got the, had the pleasure of uh, connecting with Mark through a business networking breakfast. Now, I, I've got a feeling that it was an RBC effort, uh, if my memory serves me correct, Mark, and uh, yourself and uh, Don Ludlow and Dave Taylor, those are a couple of other names from the RBC group that uh, I remember invited me to the, to the uh, Royal Military uh, Club up on University Avenue, and I, and I think it was that first time that I met you and I thought, this guy's no ordinary banker. That's what crossed my mind. And I, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at you, and I think, man, you know, you've got, you've got such a interesting background, and 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 yet, you know, you don't, you're not expecting anything to come from a banker type individual, but you aren't your natural banker. But I think you've done so many things in your in your career that it, you probably felt forced out of that sort of. Uh, traditional business and into something rather unique. So are you really an entrepreneur? Were you an entrepreneur in a banker's, in a banker's suit or, or what took place? Uh, maybe talk to us on that front. See how it developed. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think I can give a, a direct answer on that. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because some of my clients – um, who you know I, I remain friends with um, yeah. referred to me as the most entrepreneurial banker that they had ever come across. I, I think it's it's a combination of of my 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 background, um, just having seen and done a number of things that gives you, you know, obviously uh, just more of a world view um, in terms of the type of people you've worked with, the type of situations you've seen, and uh, and the opportunities that you've been presented. Um, uh, quite honestly, um, so it, it, it's probably a combination of those different things that are, sort of makes you the type of person um, that you are, and and particularly how you do things. Um, I remember that breakfast uh, very well. Um, what we were doing at the time was trying to systematize um, a, a monthly or quarterly breakfast uh, between mm-hmm. individuals that were very. Um, uh, opportunity-minded, but connected to people and, and open to sharing those connections. So, um, you know, I automatically appreciated your background, Peter, and, uh, and, and obviously there was a connection. We've remained in, in contact since that time. Yeah, that's, that, 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 it's almost proof of the pudding, right, when you think about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, are there any specific things that you know and uh, lessons that you've learned coming up that you would say have really prepped you for the for the business that you're you know that you've just started and you're venturing off into? Would it, do you do you draw on any of that? Yeah, you know, um, I think coming out of my my time in the military, um, remembering that I started my career. Um, back in, in 1992, graduating uh, from RMC, I was commissioned as an infantry officer in the Canadian Forces um, and, and was fortunate to work for some great leaders and, and be given some great challenges during that time, um, including two tours of Bosnia uh, back when the war was on and mm-hmm. um, post-Date um, and Peace Accord when we were in country to um, enforce um, that, that agreement. 
Um, I was also fortunate to be selected to uh, be seconded to the British Army um, for uh, for a couple of years. Um, and, and to transition myself out of the military, um, I, I went to PNG. So that's sort of my context of, you know, prior to my, uh, my banking career. Um, mm-hmm. I, I learned six things, really, I think, that I, I continue to apply um, on, on a daily basis um, as, I, as I do business. Um, you know, the first one is, is that leadership is, is paramount um, to high-performing teams. You, you always get this distinction between managers and leaders. Um, when I've performed at my optimum, it's because I've been working for um, great people, um, people who lead from the front, who really do um, what they say they're going to do, when they say they're going to do it, and, and really set the example for the rest of the team. Um, the second thing is, is how critical uh, mission focus is to getting things done. Um, it not only helps you keep um, your priorities um, straight, um, but assists you um, in, in being decisive and, and making decisions in a, in a timely fashion. Um, it's, it's, it's walking lockstep and, and really understanding what the team is trying to accomplish and, and doing that. Um, the third thing is how important um, shared values are to setting the tone um, and culture in an organization. Um, I think, you know, I've seen situations where you have individuals where, where there are disparate values and, and, and there's an automatic misalignment um, between priorities, um, but just even um, the tone that is set in, in the workplace. Um, the fourth thing, and this is, applies to sort of human capital, is, is really attitude trumps everything. You can take the smartest person, and if they have a crap attitude or they're pessimistic, if um, they, 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 they become a drag on the organization. So um, I would take and hire um, attitude um, any day over ex- experience or knowledge if, if the person with experience or knowledge um, has a poor attitude. Um, the fifth thing is expect the unexpected. We, we had an old expression in the military, which was no plan survives first contact, which is you, you can't go out and, and be dogmatic to a specific plan of action. It's great to, to, to develop plans and, and stick to it, but there is a degree of being flexible and being adaptable to um, your environment and the opportunities that present itself. And the final thing sort of just sort of ties into, into personal life as well, which is the importance for balance. Um, if you throw yourself 100% into something um, and, and ignore, you know, family, if you ignore fitness, if you ignore um, how, you, how you eat, all of those things will become a drag on you. Um, so, you know, that may sound like motherhood, but it's, it's, it's incredible how many people you see out there where, you know, there, there are those gaps in, in terms of how they, uh, they do business or how they um, live their sort of business and, and personal life. So those would be the, the six things that stick out for me. Wow. That's an impressive list. And quite frankly, if we said nothing else for the rest of this interview, I think our audience would absolutely glean value from those six points. Thank you very much for that. That's absolutely fabulous. Tom. I, I, love, I love the attitude point. You're preaching to the choir there. That was, that's one of my favorites. And then balance. Unfortunately, you don't realize you need the balance until often later in your life. And uh, Peter has told me a few stories of friends of his recently that he's met with who uh, probably achieved more success than they needed 
but at the expense of some other things that they now wish they had uh, done. And so find that balance when you can and make sure you maintain that balance because uh, later on in life you'll wish you had no matter what happens. And now let's start, uh, let's talk about your... Sorry, from that standpoint, it's it's great. I saw Peter last week and... We hadn't seen each other in, in, in probably a couple of years, um, just under two years, and I, I didn't know how old he was. And he, he, uh, <laughs> what he I had to ask him and I, too. <laughs> and and I, I, I would have thought that he was he was ten years younger than um, than what he was. And so you know, I just asked him how he did it, and it, it came back to that answer, which is balance. So you know, the great sort of example by Peter. Uh, how to how to live that balance and, and, and have it in your life. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you very much for that, Mark. I appreciate it. So now let's get to business here. You're uh, so you're really focusing a lot of your time with a startup company, uh, Canada 2100. So I love the name Canada in it. I'm a big uh, fan of Canada. Uh, so talk about uh, Canada 2100 uh, because the name doesn't exactly tell you what you do, and it's a fascinating company. Yeah, so, so in a nutshell, Canada 2100 is an alternative lender um, which specializes in lending to innovative companies with strong intellectual property postures. So you, you get your traditional companies, which um, say manufacturing companies where, you, where there are a lot of assets, um, physical assets. Um, we're looking at companies where um, uh, R&D uh, where intellectual property uh, feature fairly heavily into uh, into the mix. Neat. And so are these companies that uh, would not be able to get the financing through regular channels, or do you have specific expertise that's maybe more uh, appropriate to their needs? Why would Why would someone go to you for... Uh, the financing they need because it sounds like you have a, a, a great niche. You know exactly what type of companies you're looking for. Uh, why would someone choose you or come to you instead of a more traditional form? Yeah, it's it's interesting. So as you alluded to at the the start of this um, uh, call, um, I, I've had the benefit and, and privilege of working with um, t- t- the two largest commercial banks in Canada. Um, mm. RBC and, and BMO, and um, at both played a role in originating new business for the commercial bank, um, as well as their corporate finance divisions. And you know, one of the things when we were putting this together that dawned on me was that there was a gap in the Canadian marketplace. Um, that the banks are, are great at lending to certain types of companies and and certain profiles in companies, um, but it it was. Um, really apparent to me, having talked to hundreds of companies over you know the ten years that I was doing commercial banking, of how often um, the solution wasn't either complete to the needs of the company, or the solution wasn't a, a fit between what the bank could do and, and what the company's uh, requirements were, and so that's really where um, this this idea was born. 
um, you know, I, I've seen examples where, you know, the, either, you know, the company hasn't been in business long enough or uh, there's not enough uh, physical assets um, in the company to secure um, the, the, the lending that they seek um, and, and these type of things. So it, it, it's, it's, it, it really comes out of, of what we feel is a, is a need in the marketplace, um, certainly from uh, the number of, of people we, we interviewed and, and, and spoke with as we did our, our, our focus groups, um, you know, we, we've, we validated that. Um, so there, there, there definitely is a place uh, within this. And um, you see a lot of American banks and, and, and groups coming up now into Canada to try and, 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 and fill that gap as well. Um, what we're trying to do is offer a uniquely Canadian um, solution to that problem. Interesting. Now, now, Mark, are you actually going to uh, broker funds, as it were? You know, are you going to balance? Are you going to balance your portfolio amongst lenders and borrowers, or is is that the style of operation, or yeah, or, no, or, actually, or do you have a cachet up, that you want to lean into? No, we're we're actually um, going to be standing up um, a debt fund, so um, raising um, through. Um, some funders and uh, a limited partnership structure, and and basically advance those funds out to um, companies um, that fit our credit profile and also meet our intellectual uh, profile, um, intellectual property profile. Pardon me. So um, you know when we when we start and we're, we're hoping to be originating loans um, by April timeframe. Once we've operationalized all this, um, we're going to be effectively renting a balance sheet of one of the lenders as we build our, our name and our brand in the Canadian marketplace. And concurrent to that, we'll be standing up um, the, the fund so that we have dedicated funds um, that we advance um, to companies that meet our credit profile and, and, and IP profile. Right. Now, are you going to be somewhat creative, uh, you know, maybe more so than the traditional bank that's, you know, that's going to look for you know, you know they they've got the check. They got if you don't fit, you know, ninety percent of the boxes on that list, uh, you, you know they they walk you out the door. I mean, you know, is there anything stringent about the way that you're going to approach your the business? Or, I mean, because I would imagine it's money. So I mean, there's got to be compliance and of some sort in place. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's important to to make the distinction. The banks fill a very important. Um, part of, of the sort of the Canadian um, economy, and you know they they're designed to um, lend money to those companies in Canada that present the lowest risk to them, and mm-hmm. so you know, they're they're obviously highly successful and have a, a formula that works for them, and and so yes, to answer your question, um, our our structure is going to be more flexible. Than the than the banks because we're typically going to be open to um, a, a, a a more um, a higher risk profile than the banks would be. But we we obviously charge more money um, in the form of interest uh, for um, the, that risk. But it's 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 a a risk and a, a um, provision of capital that is, is required to companies. So if you look at, you know, typically the scenarios that sort of play is, you know, 
uh, the, a company is trying to acquire another company or the assets of that company, and, and the, the assets may um, present more as intangible assets, goodwill around trademarks and, and copyrights, you know, around trade secrets that that company has, or an IP, mm-hmm. a portfolio of patents or provisional patents that they've registered. Um, typically, um, the banks, and, and I'm, I'm talking the senior lenders, um, do not give any um, credit or, or, or value to those, um, what, what they consider intangible assets. So we, we're going to be giving value, uh, a liquidation value, to those intangible assets, and, and that helps us actually secure our, our credit facilities. Um, again, other reasons that, that companies borrow are to build teams. Um, so, you know, we want to help um, small companies, and, and I call a small companies as 10 to $50 million, grow into big companies. Um, it's not lost on anyone who observes the Canadian marketplace and compares that to, you know, the, the U.S. or, or Europe. There, there's a high number of, of companies of that size, um, let's call it 1 to 50 million, and a, a large number of private companies, you know, the banks, the insurance companies. But that sort of that gap between, let's say, 50 million and, and 750 million, there, there's, there's limited companies in Canada that sort of fit that size. Right. So we're, we're, we're trying to assist companies through the provision of capital, grow and, and become medium-sized companies in, in the true sense of the word. Interesting. Now, you've probably given this some thought, but so the Business Development Bank of Canada, I, I think, has some form of approach. In fact, there used to be a, a thought in the market that they were the, the, the bank of last-ditch effort. Uh, I mean, where does, where does your company fit in that landscape yeah you know it, it, it's business development bank is, is is a great organization i've i've worked with them um at, at both institutions they they, they obviously fill a, a need um in the canadian marketplace so we would not be seen as a as a competitor to them okay. um in in actual fact in in most situations we would be seen as as complementary um you know what happens is you get company a that has capital requirements of x and they go out to market to sort of require or put together those and uh fill those capital requirements and and often there's a a, a difference between what they need and what is available and a lot of times that that difference is dictated by the uh, collateral coverage um, for the, the, the credit that is required. So those companies are more than capable of repaying the loans from a cash flow standpoint, but from an asset coverage standpoint, keeping in mind that most lenders want a second way out, there's a gap. What we're doing is coming in and plugging that gap by ascribing a value through our unique process to the intellectual property and then lending against that intellectual property. Mm, So such may be the case where there may be another lender who's got credit extended to a company. Um, and we come in as, as, as a complement, you know, being a, a, a tool in the toolbox of that lender so that they don't have right. to risk 
that relationship going elsewhere to meet its capital requirements or going out and paying um, what might be seen as uh, unacceptable rates to get um, fill that gap. Yeah. Now, there, there, you know, there's um, obviously there, uh, there's venture capitalists out there that, that, uh, that kind of that do this kind of thing every day. They're looking for hot commodities that have got sales behind them and they, you know, they, they choose to either, you know, put a percentage of the money in and, uh, you know, in, either build or increase the valuation of an organization, but with an exit strategy, will, it, it, will that formula be anything close to the way you do your business or is this really a, a new alternative? No, it's a it's a new alternative. Making the distinction that 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 money tends to go in as as convertible debt, or or equity. Um, we we are a, a pure debt um, opportunity uh, for companies. So um, it, the product is non dilutive in nature. So we're we're, we're not um, changing what's called the equity um, stack of, of of a company. Um, mm-hmm. by participating in it. And typically, venture capitalists would be involved in, in, in earlier stage companies to help grow those. You know, certainly for our, our first fund and when we, we start originating in, in the Canadian marketplace, we're looking at um, established companies that are of a certain size that are well positioned to grow through some of those things that I mentioned before, you know, the acquisition yeah. of, of a company, acquisition of assets of a company, um, building, a, you know, a, a professional team of management, right. um, and, or expanding into other markets. You know, what happens is a lot of times you see these companies go off, do all the right things, and they get an opportunity all of a sudden to sell into Europe, um, but there's capital required to actually scale the company to, to meet the, that contract. Right. Um, and, and so, again, where, where, there's a, where there's a shortfall in asset coverage, that's something where we could step in and, and certainly play a role. I see. Will, will a portion of your uh, business efforts be around then um, debt consulting? I mean, will you, you know, will you get into the thick of things with the individuals? When I, when I look at your, you know, your six things that, that you believe in, you know, that you kind of built your, 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 your life around and your business around, I'm thinking I, I could almost see you sitting at the table and, and, and checking those boxes with the people that you want to work with and, you know, before, before moving along. Is, is that... That you know, that's, a, that's, a, that, that, that's a great point. So, you know, something that we see as important, something that, that I did when I was a banker, and, you know, I think you'll, you'll sort of probably agree with me that all bankers aren't created equal. Um, what I always tried to do was add value to my client base. Um, given that we aren't the size of a bank, uh, and that we have investors ultimately who have put their capital in to help us lend to these companies, we're certainly highly motivated to ensure that the companies we work with are successful. And mm-hmm. so, yes, wherever we can add value um, through um, either um, our, our own insight um, to these companies 
or opening doors to, to people who are well suited to assist these companies, um, you know, from an advisory standpoint, from helping put governance in, um, to you know, helping them build their sales capabilities, anything that you know typically companies may struggle with, um, we're, we're certainly going to be um, uh, making introductions and and helping ensure that they're successful executing to the plan um, that they that they have in place. Yeah. Interesting. Now, is there a certain type of company, uh, you know, like is there a business focus, you know, an industry focus that uh, that you feel more, you know, your company will feel more uh, uh, inclined to do business with? Yeah, you know, if I had to sort of rhyme a list off, we'd be looking at uh, companies that are doing advanced manufacturing, um, clean tech, um, biotech, life sciences, including medical device companies, uh-huh. aerospace, defense, agritech, um, technology and software. Um, and so certainly as I, I rhyme that list off, you, you, you would understand that um, very important to all those companies is the, the research and development aspect and, and, and being innovative. So right. um, we're, we're certainly open to talking to great companies um, that are innovative and that have uh, capital requirements that surpass um, that which is available to them um, right now. Right. Now, that would I, I, it didn't sound like a services-type companies would, would fit into your into your. Uh, into your market plan? No, but you know, but certainly these fit into the wider ecosystem of what we're trying to do. Um, just in line with your last question, which right. is, you know, good people know good people, and and so ultimately, you know, one of the things we have the benefit of seeing when we speak with companies is understanding um, what their strong points are, but also what their opportunity areas are. And so, you know, if a company takes a good, hard, introspective look at itself and says, what do we need to get better? Um, they, they have a pretty good understanding if, um, if, 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 they, if they go through that exercise. So certainly, you know, as we come across opportunity areas, then, we, you know, we want to have a, a robust and, and ecosystem, and, and we do have a robust ecosystem, uh, of people that we can certainly make an introduction to um, that can assist those companies. And, yeah. you know, a lot of it boils down to relationships and, and rapport and, and stuff that people have. But, you know, the, these are established um, service companies that have those testimonials from, um, from you know, other clients. And, the, and then it's just a case if there's a fit and there's an opportunity, then let's see what, let's see what can be done. Yeah, well, very now, uh, Mark, I'm a salesperson, and uh, like you, an entrepreneur, I'm always thinking of uh, customers. Like, how do how do people and companies and these co-founders usually uh, find you? Is there a specific Google search, or is it usually someone in a networking meeting or in a higher level of uh, one of your clients who says, oh... I know of this company and this guy. Uh, how do people find you, and how do you find these companies? Is it like an internet search? Is it who you know and who you get referred to, or events that you go to? 
uh, so that I understand and that so people who perhaps need the money can understand what's the best way to work and find uh, Mark Walden. Yeah, it's, it, that's a great question. You kind of answered it in, the, in your question. Um, all of the above. Um, so, you know, referrals factor heavily into this. You know, having centers of influence, you know, who are advisors and, and consultants to companies um, are, are certainly going to be uh, and need to be aware of what we're doing. And so a big piece of what we're doing is just relating what type of company fits our profile um, and and being very clear in that. You know, we um, need to be out there in the the web sphere, if you will, so that people can find us through a a Google search. Um, But really, you know, it's multiple channels. Um, You know, word of mouth factors heavily into it, so as people have a good experience with us and um, find that we meet the requirements. Good people know other good people. So it, it's, just, it's just a case that, you know, as we build the brand and get out there in the marketplace and expand, um, if we've done our job right, people will know who we are. Exactly, exactly. Nice. Now I have a unique question, one that just came to my brain. Uh, you spent 15 years serving in the Canadian Forces, uh, you won some commendations, and yet you are a brilliant-minded business person and entrepreneur. You could have earned a lot more money in those 15 years. It's like an opportunity cost lost. What was the value and the purpose and personal meaning to you to serve in the Canadian Forces when as I just kind of mentioned, you could have earned a lot more money in the private sector. Well, what's interesting and, and funny because there's another old military expression that you don't join the army to get rich, and and, and, and that's certainly true. Um, <laughs> you know what? Going into it at, at 18 years old, I enrolled and was accepted into Royal Military College, and um, it's interesting, you know, those relationships that were forged back then and, and through military service are, are relationships that I have until this day, um, which is which is which is really important. So, thinking of one of the six things that I, I talked about, you know, that shared values and culture. So, if, if you think about it, um, ultimately, there's there's a whole bunch of different people like me who decided to go and, and, and serve their country and, and, and serve sort of Canadians. Um, doing that type of work, whether, whether it's in the military, the RCMP, or, or some other uh, form of, of civil service, um, but 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 ultimately, when you think about it, you know that, that that notion of opportunity cost and stepping up and 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 doing that work is is really a common value that you share, and so you know very easy to obviously connect with these individuals. But one of the biggest things that that it fosters is, is you know, teamwork and group cohesion, because nothing is done in the military as, as a lone wolf. You've, you've never heard about a battle or about a, an operation where, you know, you know there's, it, it's basically one individual went off and did this successfully. You know, there's, there's always a team effort. There's individuals who dis, distinguish themselves in very adverse circumstances, etc. But, um, you know, there's, there's this notion of, of, of service before self, there's this notion of camaraderie and, and supporting your brothers and sisters in arms. And I think 
um, that just carries over very, very well into any organization where you, you understand that no one person is responsible for the success of an organization. There are people who stand out and, and naturally have charisma and leadership and you know, write the checks, etc. But ultimately, if, if, it, if an organization is going to be successful, it, it's the sum of the parts versus any uh, distinct part. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that sort of gives kind mm-hmm. of you know my thinking about why I went in, and and distinguishes why um, you know I, I feel some of these things are very important in terms of how I still do business uh, this to, to today. Exactly, and uh, thank you so much uh, to anyone yourself and anyone who serves in any military uh, in any country. Uh, I live a good life, and it's because of people like yourself that commit to do that. Uh, Many who could excel and do better financially in the private sector. So uh, amazing. And uh, for those who aren't in Canada that might be listening, uh, Royal Military College is like an outstanding well-regarded, Canada-wide, amazing uh, educational institution, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's a, a great institution in Canada, and uh, there's some fabulous people that have uh, come through um, it as an institution, I think, are, are captains of industry today, um, prominent uh, politicians uh, you know, who, who've gone on to serve their country in, in different ways. And, and and business and community leaders. So um, it's it's a, it's a great institution in terms of forging um, those those leaders and future leaders of the country. Well, you know, I think the time uh, time invested uh, on is, uh, from my perspective, I call it excellent. I mean, it takes you uh, seven years of learning to become a good dentist, and uh, you know, I think uh, you know, and all those other uh, professionals uh, out there that have you know. Uh, Put uh, put aside uh, multiple years of learning, and I think uh, this uh, this service obviously has uh, uh, taught you some uh, unique things, and you obviously bring them to the front uh, in your day to day, which is fantastic. Uh, you, there's no way I could see you rhyming off those six things off the top of your head as uh, easily as that, unless you actually totally believed in them. And I know you, Mark. I know you believe in them. Uh, I actually do think you bring leadership to the forefront. And uh, I think it's I think it's unique that you're not in a traditional space anymore and that you are out there helping, um, you know, sort of people who are trying to make their way. What... Um, I, I'm sure people come to you, though, for advice based on that. You know, I, there's... Sure, you want to do some business with somebody, but I'm sure people say, oh, you know, like, based on your knowledge and based on the, everything you've gone through, what advice do you have to me? I'm trying to start a business up. And, and I know this might be a tiny bit off, you know, off uh, topic, but, I mean, you probably get conversations like that uh, on a regular basis. What, what kind of advice do you give to somebody who's saying, I want to break out of uh, traditional corporate business. I want to go do something because I've got this burning inside of me. I've got a passion and a purpose of something that I have, you know, that hasn't been recognized yet. What kinds of things do you say to folks like that? 
Yeah, you know, that's that's a bit of, of an open-ended question. You know, it really depends on what they're doing, but, you know, it's, it's follow your passion. You know, if, if you if you do what you love, the the, the, the money will follow. And it's not all about money, but, you know, if, if you can spend each day working with people who you enjoy working with and um, intersecting with companies and individuals who you enjoy being around and giving knowledge or providing service or building and making something, there's no doubt in my mind that you're going to be successful. Now, you know, to to temper that, you know, it it doesn't come overnight. You know, it's something you need to invest in. So having a plan and sticking to that plan and surrounding yourself with good people um, becomes paramount to it. And, you know, the thing, and I don't need to tell you about this, Peter, there's, there's a great book written by a guy named Harvey Mackay, and I, I tell this to all the young people I meet, which is um, invest time in networking and getting to know people. So many people, you know, going back to my comment about balance, get get stuck into a role or into a job, and they they put their head down, and they and they, they, they focus on, on doing what they do, and they sort of forget about sort of the human dimension to it. And, uh, you know, Harvey Mackay wrote a great book called Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. And so uh, any young people that I um, help mentor and coach, that's one of the books I I point them to. Um, The other point just to your your question is um, doing what you love. Um, So there's a great book called Do What You Are, um, which is, is really you know, applying your personality type to the the job that you do and and literally doing what you said, chasing that dream and, and doing work that is going to satisfy you and, and, and make you successful. Um, successful at your job, successful as a community leader, successful in life. You're, uh, you're, you're talking my language there. Uh, I do uh, coaching with a number of people, and this is their greatest thing is what their purpose and their passion and how they can spend more time doing that. And if you do that, even in an industry where it might not be the highest paid industry and you're loving it and you're passionate about it, man, the the money will come. You will grow in the business and in responsibility. But if you can do something that you're passionate about, my dad worked for his entire career in one industry, explosives, and he just loved it. It's what he talked about in his spare time. It's what he thought about. He never missed a day. And if you can work every day like that, like you're spending time with people you admire and respect and enjoy yourself, man, there's not much more in life that you could really ask for in order to earn money. Uh, Another thing I want to just point out, and this will give you an opportunity, Mark, uh, I ask everyone to send me pictures for the interview. Not everybody sends a picture of them and their wife, and yet Napoleon Hill, who I studied uh, and teach about in his book, Think and Grow Rich, he talks about the greatest mastermind is always, if possible, between a husband and a wife. And he cited Henry Ford and Thomas Edison's wives were more instrumental to their success than anything else in their life. Uh, You send me a picture of you and your wife, and obviously with a varied career and interesting work and probably number of hours you have to put into what you're doing, 
uh, it's nice to have that mastermind partner at home, isn't it? It's uh, you are spot on. Um, it's it's hugely important to your success to have the encouragement and and support and understanding. You know, as you'll understand, these things often keep you out um, in the evenings often take you out of the house early in the morning and having someone who understands and, and is a cheerleader and supports you however they may um, is, is critical to it. So, so my wife, Samia, um, whose picture you have, certainly fills, uh, fits that bill. And I've never heard of anyone with that name, so very, very cool. How does she get that name? What nationality is it? Uh, she, it's she's, unique. She's got, a Persian, she, she's got a Persian background, so she was born in uh, Tabriz, Iran. And uh, and immigrated um, to Canada um, when she was in her teens. Neat, neat. Well, it's an amazing name, and I'm sure it got botched up in its spelling and pronunciation throughout her life. (laughs) So, Mark, um, let's uh, uh, for the audience. Let's uh, let's kind of. Because uh, we're coming up to the end of our our session, let's capitalize. Let's sort of like summarize um, the um, the business of uh, Canada 2100, and also uh, uh, point out to the audience uh, how they can contact you, your website, um, and any other any other means of social interaction that they can have uh, with you in order to. Uh, get to ground base with uh, Canada 2100 and uh, learn more about you. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. So um, Canada 2100 is a Canadian-based alternative lender, um, which is going to specialize in um, lending debt to um, capital or to companies that have a capital requirement um, to, to expand or, or grow um, and who um, specifically um, have um, technology or, or technology-enabled businesses, so innovative companies. Um, and certainly what we're trying to do is help um, what would be considered small-cap companies um, grow and become mid-cap uh, companies. Um, so that's what we do. Um, certainly I can be contacted by email at uh, Walden at Canada2100.com. We're in the process of setting up the website. Um, that will be on my LinkedIn profile, and certainly I, I do have a presence on LinkedIn, um, so I'm, I'm certainly happy to connect with people or groups um, through that medium. Um, so that, that would be the best way to, to reach out. Are you, are you official? Are you officially open for business? Uh, you know, or do you? Is there a? Is there a operationalizing right now, Peter, so we're, we're anticipating April um, that we're going to be originating um, okay. business. That's good. Great. Yeah. Mark, uh, it's been, first of all, it was great to hook up with you again uh, after uh, uh, a quiet two or three years between, <laughs> between meetings, and so it was great to see you, and, um, and thanks for uh, coming on the show and uh, telling us a little bit about your new business. And, and a little bit more about you. Uh, and actually, uh, regardless of, of how many times we've met and spoken before, I learned something, uh, something more about you today, which was fantastic. And uh, thanks for sharing uh, the uh, intimacies of your, 
of your feelings, uh, your thoughts on management. I think they're absolutely fabulous. Like I said before, I think if, if, if we got nothing out of this conversation except those six pointers, I'm absolutely thrilled uh, to have had this uh, conversation with you. And uh, I look forward to uh, getting together again with you very, very soon. So thanks for your time this morning. Peter and, uh, and Tom, thanks. Uh, thanks for your time. Uh, I certainly appreciate um, this opportunity and the work that both of you do. Cheers. Have a great day. Thanks, Mark. Have a great day. All the best.